This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. Our last show from our studio in Middletown, Connecticut. I'm in a uh, basically an empty house. Uh, we are uh, wrapping things up. We have moved our stuff to North Carolina. I'm up here wrapping up the closing. Uh, so this will be our last show from here in, uh, in Middletown. Uh, so welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country. So happy you could be with us. Today, I hope I remember how to do this. It's been a little while, uh, but we've got Dan Zampano coming up in a little while to talk about NFL football. The games were actually fairly entertaining yesterday. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, the first game with Chicago and Detroit was just brutal. The two bad teams, but we'll get into that with Dan coming up here in a few minutes. Um, a tough loss yesterday for the University of Connecticut men's basketball team. Absolutely brutal uh it's one of those games where uh it looked like they had things under control they had a five point lead with 141 to play and they did not score for the rest of the game they end up losing to michigan state uh in the second round of the uh, tournament down in the bahamas they lose 64 to 60 um, you know, look, UConn's a good team. They're ranked in the top 25. Michigan State, very good as well. It was a good win over Auburn the day before. But one of the things that we're seeing with this UConn team, last year they had James Booknight. They had a go-to guy. They don't have that this year. You know, and the problem was down the stretch, where was the offense going to come from? And that is what they really got bit in the tail with uh, yesterday. And I don't know what the answer to that is. R.J. Cole against Auburn hit some really big shots, but they right now don't have the go-to guy. Look, down the stretch, they're trying to go for long jump hooks from uh, Adama Sanogo, who is a great player, but that was their go-to offense. They didn't have a guy that wanted to take control that could break somebody down off the dribble, uh, so they lose a tough one. Uh, to Michigan State yesterday. They will play today against uh, Virginia Commonwealth in the third-place game. Uh, so UConn suffers its first loss of the season. But uh, this team is, look, they're young. They're going to be good. The thing that concerns me a little bit, uh, Akuka Cook, the big kid, uh, was the invisible man so far in these first two games. I'm not sure what's going on with him. I don't know if it's a physical thing, whether – Danny Hurley just feels he's got better players uh, right now, but when you've got a huge presence like that in the middle and you're not using him, it makes me wonder what is going on with a cook a cook and I hope it's not something physical. I hope he's still okay uh, physically. 
Uh, the other thing, while we were away, the Red Sox lost out on Steven Matz. Steven Matz signs a four-year, $44 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. The Sox said they made a multi-year offer to him. They said it was a very strong offer, and he decided to go to St. Louis as well uh, instead. Um, but the fun part about this is this isn't necessarily the fact that the Sox didn't get Matz. It's the fact that the... New York Mets are losing their collective minds over the fact that Matt signed with the Cardinals. Steve Cohen, the new owner, said that uh, it called out the management for Matt's his agent and said he was very unprofessional. And, uh, you know, they led him to believe that Matt's wanted to come to the Mets. And the next thing I know, they, that he's signing with the St. Louis Cardinals. My, my, uh, my response to Steve Cohen is get the hell over it. You know, look. I get that Matt's is very, very passionate owner. He is going to be the 2021 version of George Steinbrenner. He is a guy that is going to be involved with this team. He's a guy you're going to hear about in the media all the time because, you know, this is he's very passionate about the Mets and good for him. But look, you know, part of the whole free agent process is for these guys to go out and get the best deal that they can get for their clients. And if you're Steven Matz and you are looking at the soap opera that right now is the New York Mets, right? It's just one thing after another, not just with the players on the field, but what's going on in that front office. Why the hell would Steven Matz want any part of that? I mean, I can't blame him. Syndergaard skipped town. And I guarantee you, look, he got a one-year $21 million deal with the Angels. It's a kind of a show-me deal out in California for him to show people he's still got something left. He made it sound like he wanted to stay with the Mets at one point, but I just think that players are now saying, I don't want any part of the Mets until they get their house in order. Can you blame them? You know, and if you're Francisco Lindor right now, and you're, you signed that huge contract last year, and you're looking at what's going on there right now, what are you thinking? You know, Marcus Stroman is another guy that's a free agent pitcher for the Mets. Marcus Stroman's being courted by a lot of teams, including the Red Sox. And if you're Stroman, I would not be at all shocked if he bails on the Mets. You know, remember we were talking, you know, with Syndergaard and DeGrom and the signing of Stroman or, you know, and, and some of the moves that they made that this was going to be, that, that pitching was going to be a strength of the Mets. Well, now, if Marcus Stroman signs elsewhere, this Mets rotation is a dumpster fire. You know, and with with Matt signing elsewhere, Syndergaard going elsewhere, you have to wonder who they're going to be able to sign or is it going to be an absolute mess and they're going to have to sign, you know, be able to outslug people this year. But for Steve Cohen to be bitching about and, and calling out the uh, – you know, the agent for Matt's, you know, calling him unprofessional. That's sour grapes, and it's unnecessary. And it's not helping the mess that your team is already in. Now, as far as the Red Sox go, obviously, uh, you know, they were very hot on Matt's. I, I, look, I got to be honest with you. I like Steven Matt's. I'm not sure Steven Matt's was the answer to their problems. But if he was going to be slotted in as your number four or number five guy, all right. You know, I could I get a little bit worried about a left-hander 
in Fenway Park. You know, it's part of the thing with Eduardo Rodriguez where I'm kind of, you know, I'm sad that he signed with Detroit. But at the same time, eh, you know, eh, I think the Red Sox will be fine without Erod. I do. I know there's a lot of Red Sox fans unhappy about it. But I think that they will be just fine. If I'm the Red Sox, and look, there's been a long history of, of, of people saying, look, lefties can't pitch in Fenway Park because, you know, they're going to throw in a right-handed lineup. You've got the short, you know, the left left field wall that they're going to pepper, et cetera, et cetera. And right-handers do better. Look, with the exception of down the pesky pole, right field in Fenway Park is where fly balls go to die. You know, it's really, that's the strength. If you have good right-handed pitching, you know, I think that's preferable. And when you look, look, and, 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 and everybody hopes that Chris Sale is going to be able to, you know, be back to what he used to be. And Chris Sale is, you know, kind of an exception. He's, he's a nasty lefty that can get righties out as well. But, you know, but if you're the Red Sox now, where are you going for pitching? Or, or you know, you wonder, supposedly they took a run at Justin Verlander, but Verlander signed, re-signed with the Astros. Um, you want, where are they going to go? So Marcus Stroman is a guy that a lot of people are targeting right now. Marcus Stroman went on social media yesterday and said the Red Sox have been in touch with some strong, strong talk with him. You know, so maybe Marcus Stroman's an option. Look, if they can get Marcus Stroman, I'm on board 100%. I still think Garrett Whitlock needs to be a starter for this Red Sox team. The fact that he has developed that third pitch, as nasty as he was this year, I want to see the Red Sox put him in the rotation. I know he was valuable out of the bullpen, but I think over the course of 162, you need to have that starting rotation be solidified. And I like the idea of Garrett Whitlock in that starting lineup a lot more uh, than I do having him out of the bullpen. Tanner Houck? I'm not convinced Tanner Houck is going to be a major league starter. I, I, you know, look, I know that slider of his is really nasty, and he's, you know, but I'm just not. Uh, Garrett, I'm way more sold on Garrett Whitlock than I am on Tanner Houck. And there's a couple of other young pitchers down in the minors that they're they're looking for, but I think the Red Sox need to sign one pitcher, and then I think you throw Garrett Whitlock into that number four, number five slot. So who are the Red Sox going to go after? Who's left? Well, Marcus Stroman, if they get him, he kind of slots right into the top of your rotation right away. He's, you know, behind Evaldi, behind Chris Sale, Marcus Stroman becomes your number three. I think Nick Pavetta becomes your number four. And then Garrett Whitlock's your number five. And if Garrett Whitlock's your number five, I like that a lot. Now, who else? If they can't get Stroman... You know, do they want – and Stroman's going to be looking for a multi-year deal. Bloom, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he wants to do. He likes to, you know, comes from an organization where it was short-term deals. Well, if you're looking for a guy that you might want to get on a short-term deal, because I don't think Robbie Ray is going to be available, and I'm not sure Robbie Ray um, is a guy the Red Sox should be targeting. Again, another left-hander. I don't think that's the way the Red Sox need to go here. But if you're the Red Sox and you, and you want to go on a short-term deal, where do you go? Well, there was a story in the Boston Globe this weekend about the potential of Rich Hill returning to the Red Sox. Eh, again, Rich Hill's a lefty, a soft-tossing lefty. He's 41 years old. I know he's a Massachusetts guy. Uh, he's from Milton. I know it's a great story. Eh, I'm not sure that, you know, 
he's going to be any better than throwing Tanner Houck, okay? I'm not. Uh, another guy, how about Corey Kluber? They were interested in Corey Kluber last year. The Mets signed him. He got hurt, but when he came back, pitched well. Pitched to an ERA of under four. Could be a good possibility there. That's a guy you could get on a one- or two-year deal as you wait for some of these younger pitchers to develop more. I like that idea as well. So we have to see you know, whether he's going to be available. You know, Where else can you go? Uh, I don't think they're going to go after a guy like John Gray. From the Colorado Rockies, he's another guy that, you know, it's kind of hard to tell what John Gray truly is because he pitches in Coors Field. Uh, but that, that's a guy that's going to want a four- or five-year deal. I'm not sure he's a possibility. Uh, maybe a Carlos Rodon from the Chicago White Sox. Now, he had some injury issues again. So if you're the Red Sox, you know, he had shoulder fatigue. He was out for much of August. How much do you worry about that? But there's still some options out there. The question is, is whether the Red Sox are going to want to commit long-term to a guy like Stroman or whether Bloom wants somebody on a short-term deal. Uh, but, I, again, I hope it's not Rich Hill. It's, and this is nothing against Rich Hill. I just don't want another lefty in Fenway Park. You got rid of Erod. I want to see right-handed pitching as much as humanly possible. Outside of Chris Sale, I want to see righties in the starting rotation for the Boston Red Sox. It's 18 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk NFL football. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It is 20 minutes past the hour, and as we are on every Friday, we are thrilled to be joined by the man, Dan Zampano, to talk NFL football. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, I must say, this is the hardest possible day to get up at 9:20 in the morning <laughs> to 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 talk football i watched football all day all three games watched the egg bowl with mississippi mississippi state i watched every game yesterday and i had to stay awake somehow i i dozed off almost in the third quarter of the second game but we made it through i will say i managed to make it uh, to about five minutes into the fourth quarter of the last game before I before I succumbed, uh, but let's get to, let's get to yesterday's games right away. And you know they were I I guess you would have to say they they were entertaining. Although I had a hard time saying that the Lions Bears game was entertaining. Although when you look at the final score, you would say okay, it was a decent game. What a strange game this was, and if you are the Detroit Lions. And your quarterback goes 21 for 25, throws a couple of touchdowns, doesn't throw an interception, doesn't get sacked. You've got to be going home right now going, how the hell did we lose that game? You know, I mean, if you look at what they did outside of the penalties, and that's the thing that really shot him in the foot, but, but man, Jared Goff couldn't play a lot better than he did, I guess, and you still lost that game. Yeah, you don't have to be nice to that game. That game stunk. I mean, that was that was, <laughs> that, was a, that, that was that was tough to watch yeah. that game. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, really, really, the 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 two geniuses going up against each other and coaching. I mean, it wasn't it. I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah, right? Seriously, what are we watching over there? Like, you know, Albert Einstein go up against Elon Musk in the battle of whoever <laughs> is, can be can be smarter on coaching. I mean, the coaching was just horrendous. That was that was the bottom line. I mean, Andy Dalton, 
he gets 300 yards. Jared Goff, as you said, like he plays pretty well. Nobody really made any mistakes. It was just a war of attrition. Nobody could, right. and, and and then not a ton of turnovers. Nobody could get past the 40 yard line. <laughs> that was that was the issue. And you know when he gets stuck at midfield, uh, it just becomes a problem. Now I thought the Bears actually played worse in the game. I thought the Lions played really well right, right up until the end. Right. And and that was. And that is where our the story of the Detroit Lions of 2021 has become um, a nightmare for Detroit fans, but certainly entertainment for everybody else. I mean, it it, it is uh, it, it's <laughs> to call two timeouts in a row to give up five yards of field position on a third down. It's it's just it's so typical that the circus just continues to roll up there that you know it, you almost feel bad at the end of the day. You know, and it's funny. Detroit came in, and the Bears had had a longer losing streak than the Lions did, considering the Lions had tied the a week, tie, right? couple couple of weeks before. Right. So, you know, it, it it just goes to show you neither of these two teams are really worth watching, and that's why they're usually put on the twelve o'clock game on Thanksgiving yeah, Day. Yeah, I mean, you know, isn't it time? Isn't it time to kind of take the Lions off of Thanksgiving? I know it's a tradition, man. But good night. It's just brutal. And uh, who wants to play them, you know? Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, especially well, how, on that day. How about this next one, Al? It's a shootout, and you can say it's entertaining all you want, but at the, 28 penalties for a combined 276 yards between the Raiders and the Cowboys. And to top it off, Daniel Carlson gets three tries to win mm. that game because of penalties at the end. It was mind-boggling. You know, when you go on safari, you expect really to see the lions and the tigers, but the zebras are not the thing you go for. No. I mean, that's Oof. that's not what everybody's looking at. Right. You're looking for the entertainment, the big guys. Right. And and to me, I was entertained by the game, but you're absolutely right. It, the penalties really made it difficult when every single snap is getting penalized. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing. Uh, I don't remember who was doing the game, but you're seeing the referee be on TV and it's like, they want, they, they want us to see them. And it's like, no, we don't ever. Uh, as far as the game goes, as far as the game goes, awesome game for the Raiders. They really needed it. And yep. Derek Carr once again, proves that he's a leader. He's a leader uh, in that, in that locker room. Deshaun Jackson resurgence. Absolutely loved that. And give the Cowboys credit for coming back. But I think as many good throws as Dak Prescott made yesterday, I think he's one of the two guys you got to blame for yesterday's loss, too. Mm -hmm. I think he had some some throws. And this has happened the last few weeks, and we really haven't gotten to talk about it. But I think the ball is coming out wrong with Dak Prescott the last few weeks. Uh, in, in some instances, on some shorter passes, he's throwing at a guy's feet. He had a couple of good deep balls down the sideline to Michael Gallup that were really nice. But he had some also just big-time third-down throws that were at guys' feet. Uh, the other guy to blame for this is the corner, Anthony Brown. I mean, how do you right. get four? Does anybody teach you? Like, you know, once, only once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you know, shame on you. Four times? Like, come on. That, that's, we, we've got we've to start making some changes here. You right. know, maybe, maybe change up the cleats. I don't know. Different gloves. Maybe, you know, go change a uniform. I don't know what you need to do. Just go do it. Uh, have a bowl of soup or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> But it it, uh, it 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 is it is the it, it, that really killed them was all those penalties, uh, at, especially at the end. I wasn't sure if they were doing that on purpose too. Like that was just a really weird sequence 
But once again, um, now, if you look at it, the Cowboys, who have now lost, what, three or four, um, there might be an outside chance. If they continue to go down this road, if they're not going to get healthy, they need to get healthy, obviously, no Lombardi right. and no Lamb. But if they don't get healthy, there's a good, strong possibility, I think, that there's another team coming up the pike that might be able to catch them, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. who have been very, very good. And I know that sounds crazy, but but listen, this is that time of year where people have hyped up the Dallas Cowboys all year. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they do what they do best, and that's choke in big situations. Just so. imagine the Jerry Jones meltdown if that happens. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, you, and you make a good point about Dak Prescott. What do you think's going on? Is it, do you think it's a mechanical thing, or do you think it is a, a gun shy thing? What do you What do you think the problem with Prescott is? I think some of it is the younger receivers, and maybe not having the timing that he thought. Maybe not having the left tackle and Tyron Smith. Right. But even yesterday, he had Tyron Smith, and you know, there were still some throws like that. So, uh, I'm big down. So. I think it's a combination of things. Once they're at full strength, I'd like to see if they get back to where they're going. You know, the other piece of this, when you look at it yesterday, is the fact that the Dallas defense was not able to stop the Raiders early in this game, and it mm. really took Zeke Elliott out of the game. What do you what? Absolutely. Nine, nine, what, nine, nine carries, 25 yards? I mean, so their rushing game became non-existent, and when you take a big weapon like that out of the game, that puts even more pressure, I guess, on Prescott, and maybe there was a piece of that there as well. I think so. I think that could be the issue. That's a really good point, actually. But I think also when you get away from the rushing game, it tells me, uh, especially when you're in the game. I mean, they got a big game. Remember, Tony Pollard had a kick return for right, a touchdown right, in this yards, game. Yeah. So, you know, that was that, that was huge for them. But um, I, I think it tells you about where they were at in terms of play calling. It's why are you getting away from those things? You right, know, right. why would you get away from that? And you're taking one of your best players, your best player right now, on offense, that's a weapon to Zeke Elliott right. in, in the game. So, you know, to me, I tell you, I, I talk about the Cowboys, and I always say their coach will be the demise of them if they end up losing or, or underachieving. For how many, and that's where that. How, think about this, and I know it's Mike McCarthy, but how, for how many years have we been saying that about the Dallas Cowboys? You know, because, we, I mean, think about it. I mean, with the clapper before that, I mean, just think about how long we've been saying that that the, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys is the head coach. Well, it's uh, it's the head coach, but it's it's also the executives on the upstairs, particularly the big oil man up there right, right. Uh, wanting to coach from the booth. Oh, by the way, rest in peace to the clapper right before Thanksgiving. I was going to bring whacked. that up. Later. I mean, <laughs> tough, tough from the guys in Jersey to just whack him right before Thanksgiving and, and replace him with Freddie Kitchens, which is unbelievable. I mean, the Giants really got a good operation going up it's, there. So to have those two coaches on the staff, it's unbelievable. Um, hey, and a Marcus Mariota sighting for the uh, Raiders yesterday. There you go. How about that? There you go. That was, that I'm, was... sure, I'm sure that was entertaining on Thanksgiving for you. Uh, so then we get to last night's game, and – Number one, the Buffalo Bills needed a game like this. But number two, that New Orleans Saints team right now with no Alvin Kamara, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but no Jameis Winston. You know, I mean, you know, and Michael Thomas hasn't played all year. I mean, this Saints team is a train wreck right now because of injuries. Yeah, and it wasn't just Kamara. They had no Mark Ingram. Right, Ingram too, that's right. Yeah. So he was out. He was out. They had their still didn't get their right guard back in, in Ramtrick. Like they had fourteen starters out for this game from the start of the season. Right. Like that's unbelievable. 
So, you know, what Sean Payton has done to even get them to 500 is pretty is pretty crazy. The Bills just needed that win, and they're fast. They're, they played in a fast track in New Orleans. I mean, that's and that, that's to the Bills' advantage. I mean, you saw it. Stephon Diggs just put people on a spin cycle and, <laughs> and did his thing. And Josh Allen, you know, uh, you know, finally Josh Allen using his legs a little bit to, 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 to make plays open after a couple of weeks. I mean, you know what I'll tell you though, I, I'm still, I thought the bills struggled to finally blow this team out though. Uh, yeah. Josh Allen made more mistakes, two interceptions. Um, I'm still not convinced now. And we haven't talked in a couple of weeks that the changing of the guard, but you know, all of a sudden the Patriots coming up the bike and that's the next game Monday night in right. Buffalo. So, you know, we'll see what the Patriots do this weekend, but it certainly looks like the Patriots are more buttoned up than the Bills are. And I didn't see the Bills being able to run the football yesterday. They played great defense finally for the first time, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. They they finally did that. Um, but, man, like, do you trust them? I don't. No. I don't right now. Well, and like you said, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, Josh Allen, they had the, – the Bills actually, this game could have been a lot more lopsided than it was. I mean, Allen had that one interception in the red zone, uh, you know, and, and, he, and he made some – some bad decisions and again you talked about that before the season started that you thought he was going to regress a little bit and I don't yep. I haven't seen any signs that you're wrong I mean all season I mean even in a win like last night you can still look at some I mean you look at his final numbers and you go well you know he threw four touchdown passes well yeah but he also threw a couple of interceptions and they were they were bad interceptions so I mean I, I think you could still make the case that that he's not the guy he was last year has he gotten better no no, so, there, so there's and, and your answer. He's tre- he's treading water at best, and and I don't even think it's that because he's thrown more interceptions this year than he did last year. So I think I think uh, you know maybe he's he's treading water, maybe. I agree. All right. I agree. That's where I'm at. Right. So now, now so now we go into the Patriots game this week in a flat-footed tie um, with the Buffalo Bills, and we'll get to this week's game in a little bit, but. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk last week before the Falcons game. I mean, I would probably, I mean, I would have had you pick this game, but and you would have said, well, the Patriots are going to win this game. I don't think I saw a shutout coming. And, and that, huh. I think, is what impressed me the most of the game last week. Look, Mac Jones, again, I think he's, I think he's, he's improving a little bit. Uh, but the defense, to me, I think stepped up in a way I did not see coming last week. You know, this is like three weeks in a row with, uh, you know, I did not see this coming. Yeah, I, you know, so, I, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so now, so now I'm thinking to myself, well, nobody's seeing this coming. It's happening. They're winning. They've won five <laughs> games in a row. They're, they're like the hottest team in the league yeah. right now. And I'm sitting here I like mean, Ray Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it, not me, yeah, but okay. I'll agree with you. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting spot to be in. Because they're a really fun team to root for. I mean, they're a really fun team to root for because there's no superstars on this team. There are stars budding, like Judon and right. you know Matt, uh, Damian Harris, and guys like that. Guys are budding uh, flowers, but there's no superstars on this team. Uh, they're led by a rookie quarterback, and and you know that defense is what's stirring the drink right now. Right. You, you talk go back even to the week before, playing against the Browns. I mean, that was one of the most dominant performances I have seen right. out of a defense. Right. The Falcons game was an even more dominant performance. So now people are starting to buy in. It's a ragtag group of guys, as we've talked about all season. That defense, clearly, we they flipped the switch from the Dallas game and said, hey, Bill, Bill's taking it over again. 
and and things have gotten way way more improved. Mac Jones has come along much more. Yep. Uh, he wasn't great on Thursday, but he was good enough, right. and and didn't didn't make as many mistakes as as he as uh, he didn't make the mistakes that were going to kill him, you know. And and you know, to me, have the Patriots moved into Super Bowl contender? Well, I I don't know yet. I, I really don't know yet. As hot as they are, I want to see over the next four weeks what happens when they play Buffalo, when they play Indianapolis, when they play Tennessee this weekend. I want to see that, and then we'll assess where it is. Because right now, the AFC is so wide open, Gene, that it's crazy, people yeah. just might dumb off into into the Super Bowl right. by accident. You know, somebody's going to back in to the Super Bowl and probably hit a tree when they face one of those big five teams in the NFC. Like your Cleveland, so, like your Cleveland Browns could do that. Well, yeah, ex- <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What a what a game. I mean, yeah. huh? like to, for me to have to. Oh, I got the Browns in the Super Bowl, but the Patriots are playing. Hmm, who am I going to root for? <laughs> right. Now, obviously the Patriots, but it's it's like, man, any team really in the AFC could back right into it. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, and you're, I mean, look, we know how the Falcons are not a good team, but, you know, I think if you're the Falcons, are you concerned about how poorly Ryan's played this year? Why Matt Ryan is still there yeah, is I mean, beyond me. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he's he is uh, he is a shadow of his former self. And it's like we've known this for a couple of years. This is no secret. Like yeah. Matt Ryan doesn't have the zip on the ball he's had he had when he won MVP five years ago. Does that speak? You know? more, does that speak more to the lack of quality quarterbacks in the NFL than it does anything else? They had the number four overall pick well, or whatever it, all, it was. Yes, they could have easily gotten but Justin they, Fields. Right, but they didn't. Right, I get that. So, uh, so you could say bad drafting, but are, would they have been any better with Justin Fields than they would be with Matt Ryan this year? Probably not. Yeah, they would have had this year. You could argue yes, but they would have had a path going forward. True. Yeah. You know, and that's the worst place to be. You'd rather get rid of a player a year early than a year late. I mean, that's the Belichickism of all time. Right. Right. So you know, to me, it's like these teams that just hold on to these quarterbacks forever and ever because, you know, franchise and, you know, it's great. It's like, okay, that's, that's awesome. But you know, it, it, are they washed? You know, the Brady situation is much different. He's clearly not washed, but like, like, you know, Eli Manning at the end, he right. was done and they started to start other guys in front of him. And Matt Ryan should be done. You know, he should be done. Even if he wants to play more, it's like, sorry, Matt, we're going in a different direction. Uh, speaking of uh, Tom Brady, uh, Tampa Bay gets back on track last week with a uh, a dominant win over the New York Giants, and 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 Tom Brady, look, it, you know, threw for over three hundred yards yet again, a couple more touchdown passes, doesn't get sacked. But do you see? And and I, I got to be careful because I, I don't want to get you get you angry at me, but. Do you, <laughs> You, I couldn't get angry. I have no energy to get angry oh, good. today. Thank God. <laughs> Do you see him slipping at all? I mean, his numbers it, the last few weeks he hasn't been as necessarily as sharp as he was earlier in the season. Do Do you think as the rest of this season goes on, there could be an issue with, and I don't want to call it conditioning, but age that just maybe he's not going to be able to recover as quickly. Uh, I have no reason to believe it. I would say that the last couple of weeks they have not played as well, I think due to a couple of factors. It was really, I mean, Brady against the Saints, Brady went crazy. He had a huge game. Right. Uh, The Washington game the week before, obviously, they kind of 
I mean, they had the amazing nine minute drive at the end of the game right. to win the game. So, you know, there was back and forth. They, they weren't in sync in the beginning of that game. Right. Then against the Giants, they got back together. Gronk is back now. They're only going to get better to me. I think they're going to get better. Okay. I mean, a, a, Antonio Brown is still not on the field. Right. So, you know, I mean, that when they get all their weapons back, I mean, I think this is going to be a really, really hard team to stop. But I've said it. I've said it. You know, I, I told you Green Bay at the beginning of the year, and, and at the halfway point, we we re-talked about it, and I said, I think Tampa Bay probably is the best team and the hardest team, and I'm going to stick with that. I mean, there's no reason not to at this point. You know, I mean, so Tampa Bay to me is still, and Green Bay are still the two teams, I think, that are probably going to meet up in the NFC title game and probably going to, one of those teams is going to end up in the Super Bowl. Those teams are so good, so good because of the 12s. Right. Well, and when we take a look, though, at at the Green Bay Packers and uh, they're becoming a little bit of a soap opera and it's and it's uh, thanks to you know their 12 uh you know <laughs> now with the COVID toe and he's demanding an apology from uh from the Wall Street Journal and I mean that's not that's not a distraction that the Green Bay Packers need right now yeah, I mean, I don't think it. I, I don't think that they need it. There's certainly not a place for. It. Apparently, I, I love the term COVID. COVID toe. That, yeah, I, I like <laughs> I like COVID toe. And then I I heard COVID the other day. And oh, I COVID! I didn't really hear good. that one. Oh, that's good. yeah. That that one was pretty good. Um, but I will say, um, look, they lost on Sunday to Minnesota, and all of a sudden, you know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Right. I'm not in that camp. Yeah. I do think. I do think that. They'll be fine, yeah. uh, even even if they lose to the Rams. I mean, they're playing the Rams this weekend. Right. And, you know, that's a hard game. Yep. But you know, I I think they're not going anywhere. I think they're probably going to win the division. Well, they'll they're... have a home playoff game, and and they'll get through it. it. It it really matters now for the Packers to just get through the season with a division title and get us into the playoffs, and then and then that's where they need to shore it up because that's where the Packers have screwed up the, all these years right. since Rodgers won the title. 11 years ago now is in the playoffs they tend to always choke right and and once they get healthy again they might get some guys back defensively like you know they haven't had Bakhtiari their left tackle they haven't had Rashawn Gary their defensive tackle if Jair Alexander their best corner can come back by the end of the year I mean they could be a very very dangerous team right when they get into the playoffs so you know right now you know it's shaky ground they're going to have to navigate these waters I have no, I have all the confidence in the world that they're going to be fine. So switching, before we get to this week's games, let's switch over. The Kansas City Chiefs have the week off. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, the Kansas City Chiefs have become relevant again. You know, we were like for a while wondering, you know, Jesus, I mean, well, you know, with that AFC West, what are they going to be able to do? Now they sit at 7-4. and four, And if you look at their remaining schedule, four of their remaining games come in that AFC West. They have to play the Broncos twice. They've got the Raiders, the Chargers. But then they also have a couple of games against the Steelers and the Bengals. But if you look at it, I mean, all the teams that they play for the rest of the season are 500 or better teams. So they don't necessarily have an easy route down the stretch. Well, I've said this about the Chiefs. Look, I, I've I've tapered my criticisms. I'll say this. They're not on my naughty list anymore. That's what I'll say. They're not getting coal for Christmas. But I will say this. Think the teams that they beat, right? They beat the Giants. They beat Washington. They beat Jordan Love and the Packers. 
Um, and then they beat the Cowboys, who were missing the left tackle, both starting the ends, and both the two of their best receivers. Right. So, you know, to me, I think their defense has certainly improved. There's no question. But I'm not ready to go and crown them, you know, favorites in the AFC again. Because, right. again, there's so many teams in the AFC at the top of this list that are just absolutely just reeling. I mean, some are reeling, some are on the ascension, right. and they're both meeting each other in the middle from the beginning of the season. So we really, really have no idea. But I do think the Chiefs have improved because Spagnuolo's defense has gotten faster. They're starting to get the turnovers that they need. And the, def- the defensive line is actually getting a lot of pressure now. So, you know, they're starting to probably turn the corner. But, again, I'm not entirely convinced that they're the favorites. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to this week's games. Uh, and we've got some we got some dandies this week. And uh, let's start out with the Tampa Bay Bradys. They are playing at Indianapolis. And this is an Indianapolis team that has won three in a row. And they have suddenly become a viable playoff team in the AFC with the mess that things are right now. But Tampa is a three point favorite at Indianapolis. Yeah, this is a kind of a tough game for Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, I will say, I'll say that the the Colts are one of those teams that outside of the Patriots might be the next hottest team in football. They're really coming around. Jonathan Taylor with five touchdowns last week. Right. Are you kidding me? So you know, to me, Colts come off a big win. Tampa coming off a short week on Monday night. Um, I think that this game is going to be really interesting in terms of the D line of the of the Bucks stopping the run. Against the Colts, I think that's the biggest thing. The Bucks have been really, really good against the run. But, you know, I, I, I will say this. Brady has been absolutely on fire in a dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the dome, he is just one of the best. So it's going to be hard for them to, to probably get through this game without having a ton of yards on offense. Um, what the Colts need to do is control the ball. I don't know if they can control it for as long as they want to. I, I think the Bucks probably go on the road. This game's going to be close, and I even think the Colts could cover, but I think I think the Bucks will probably win. All right, the next one, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is a four-point favorite at home, and this is, you know, and, and I don't know wh- wh- what to think about this because, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, Cincinnati had that huge win, and everybody's like, hey, they may be the best team in the, in the AFC. <laughs> They're going to be the number one seed, and then they go out and they lay an egg. They, they come back, they win last week, but I, I don't know what to think of Cincinnati. I don't know that they should be a four-point favorite over anybody. Yeah, this is a Tomlin spot if I've ever seen one. I mean, this is where he usually shines is that, uh, you know, dog on the road. I mean, and especially in the division, uh, this is, I mean, the Steelers are the more experienced team. Now they need to get healthy. They need to get TJ Watt back on the field. That's, right. that's their main thing. And Minka Fitzpatrick needs to get back on the field. If they can do that, I think they can win this game. I, and, and to me, look, they, they had a crazy game on Sunday night against the chargers where they just gave up 150 points. But I, I think that Cameron Hayward's presence in the middle is going to make it hard for the Bengals to run. It's going to make it hard for the Bengals to block interiorly. And I think that could be the difference. Ben's just got to stop making these risky throws. I mean, goodness. I mean, I, I to, to me, it's like the guy's playing Russian roulette every time he's tossing the ball. So I, I think... I think if Ben just calms down a little bit, they got to work it with Najee Harris in the middle and, and make sure he gets the ball. I think the Steelers will go on the road and they'll get a they'll get a road divisional win. Uh, all right, let's stay in that division. Uh, your Cleveland Browns are at Baltimore. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. Uh, Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Baltimore is another team, though, where they win, but they got to work like hell to do it. You know, and, and Lamar Jackson has not been that sharp lately. Um, is this a spot where Cleveland could go on the road maybe and sneak one here? They kind of need it. I think they could, but my issue is who the heck is playing quarterback this week? Yeah, and if yeah. it's Baker, to be honest, How I, think that, yeah. I, I think it's probably a better decision if they start Case Keenum this week. Really? To be honest, I really do. I think that there's something wrong with Baker and his shoulder. He needs a week off to just recuperate and, and relax. Um, Lamar, I, I assume he'll be back. I mean, who gets more sick than Lamar? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like he gets, I feel like, what is he rolling around in mud during the week? Like, you know, I mean, I, I and it's not even a COVID related thing. Right. It's just Lamar just gets sick. Um, but I, I think that this could be a really hard game, uh, well fought, good defenses. I'll tell you the Ravens, you know, they haven't been as good as advertised when it comes to defending the pass. Right. But if Baker's not out there, I'm going to find it really hard for the Browns to win it. I think the Browns will keep this game close, but I think the Ravens find ways to win. They play very close games all the time, but they're the opposite of the Vikings. They win the games and the Vikings lose them. So I'll say the Ravens pull this one out and really, really put my Browns in a bad spot. Yeah, over to the uh, AFC West. Uh, the Chargers go on the road to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Chargers uh, with a good win last week scored a lot of points. They're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Two and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good game. This is going to be a really tight game in the division. Uh, if Eckler has the game that he had the other night, I mean, it's, it's yeah. sayonara, good night. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the Chargers do not defend the run well. Still, is still having problems with the run game. And I think Denver is in a perfect spot to get the run game going. Melvin Gordon, the kid, Devontae Williams out of North Carolina, he gets bounces off guys like he's a pinball. I mean, he's really, really good. And I think if Denver sticks to the run, I think they should win this game. I mean, you know, Denver is, is going there, but, I mean, their defense is still well, really, really they're solid. Only, they're only giving up 18 points a game. Right. Their defense is very, very good. So, you know, I, I would say Denver probably wins this game if they just stick to the run and have Teddy make no mistakes. They're getting healthier at the wide receiver position. I just don't get why Denver isn't a better team. I just don't get it. They're one of the best rosters. And, again, I, I kind of know why. Maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater. Would, right. Exactly. You know? They're a quarterback away. Yeah. They're a quarterback away. All right. Game of the week, in my opinion, and this is the one I can't wait to see. The Rams at the Green Bay Packers. The Rams mm. are a one-point favorite at the frozen tundra really tough yep really good game i mean this is a rematch of last year's playoff game um how the packers handle it i think i think rogers's toe is going to get tested the rams <laughs> have 20 it's a, seriously <laughs> I, I know. it's going to get tested physically but it's yeah. also going to get tested in the game i think that uh i think that this toe thing is, is really messed him up i i i I don't know if it affects him in terms of, hey, like, you know, they can't put up points. I mean, they put up a ton of points against the Vikings, but I think the Rams will come after. I think Wade Phillips will be aggressive, or Wade Phillips, Raheem Morris will be aggressive, um, and, and they'll go after him. They've got 29 sacks this year. They've got a lot of sacks, so, and missing those two offensive line pieces. They lose Elkton Jenkins for the season, uh, one of their best linemen. If Bakhtiari can't come back on that line, man, it's going to be a hard deal going up against Donald and Miller and the rest of those boys. So that's going to be the key to the game. And you know Stafford's ready to roll. So I, I think the Rams actually go on the road and they get a win here in Green Bay. I think the Rams, if they don't win this game, I think their chances of winning the division probably go out the window. Plummet. 
Love yeah. it because Arizona is unbeatable. Arizona is unbeatable. It doesn't matter who they throw and, out there. They could throw me out there at quarterback. Yeah. They wouldn't get I was going to say, no Kyler Murray, and they're still winning. That's got I mean, are they – you know, and, you know, you talk about, you know – Who's the best team in the NFC? And you, you know, you've been on, you've been on the the, the pack. But man, it's kind of hard to see anybody being better than the Arizona Cardinals right now. They've been awesome, man. Uh, but I got to see it in the playoffs. I got to see it in the postseason. Right, right. All right, let's get to uh, the New England Patriots. The Patriots. Look, I'm not going to say crap about I don't see because every time I say I I don't think they have any shot, then I you know. But here's what surprises me, Dan. Tennessee's coming in. And the page, and I know it's in it. I know it's in Foxborough, but the Patriots are a seven-point favorite <laughs> against an eight-and-three Tennessee Titans team. Th- does that surprise you? That tells you what Vegas thinks about the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I, you yeah. know, I mean, it really does. And you look at Tennessee; they're free, they're reeling. They are reeling right now. Oh, by the way, they Adrian, don't have a running Adrian, back. Yeah, Adrian Peterson got released this week. Right, they don't have a running back. Right, they don't have Tannehill threw four interceptions against the Houston Texans. They got no Julio Jones. Right, uh, AJ Brown is banged up. The, their one saving grace is going to be their aggression on defense right. is going to is going to be the case. But they're not a great defensive team. They they don't have they have a good good up front seven. But as far as the secondary goes, they're vulnerable. So this is the this is a personal game for the Patriots. They have never beaten Vrabel. Right. They've never beaten them. They're 0-2, and I think it's a personal game for them to get it done against a former player. Um, I think they really want this game bad, and to be honest with you, I, I think these two teams are going in way different directions. I, 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 I would say, Gene, please say that you didn't see this coming one more time because I would love for the Patriots to just smash the Titans here. Well, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I mean, seriously, and I'm not going to say I didn't see this coming. But mm-hmm. the way that Patriot defense has been playing, and as as banged up as the Tennessee Titans are, is it out of the realm of possibility that the Patriots could throw back to back shutouts? Oh, uh, that would be. I mean, I wouldn't see that coming, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I just think the Patriots are going to win this game. It's going to be one of those classic yep. Foxborough November December games. Uh, and they're going to lay the hammer down, and they're going to cover the spread. I think the Patriots win. Yeah, you know the way what I the way I look at this is that, and the reason I ask that is because what you're in a position now, if you're the Tennessee Titans, is you have to do something this week that you don't want to do, and that's ask Ryan Tannehill to win a game. Usually, right. you're just asking Ryan Tannehill, look, please do me a favor, control the game, don't kill us. But if they're going to have any chance this week, Ryan Tannehill has to single-handedly practically win that game, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And when, I think he that, hasn't done that in a while. No, he hasn't, and and that's and and, and I don't expect them to. Right. You know, I mean, I really don't. So you know, they're going to have to be creative in their play calling, all their situations. Um, and the Patriots' defense is not easily fooled. Right. I think the problem is Tennessee's given up a lot of sacks this year. You think Matt Judon's going to be a little hungry this Thanksgiving? Right. He doesn't like mac and cheese. Apparently, I just I saw press. that. <laughs> I think he. I think he likes Tannehill. That's what I think he likes. I think that'll be his meal. This weekend, uh, ten and a half sacks, awesome year for him. He's been just fantastic. I'm really excited for this game, and I think uh, I don't want to get overconfident, but I think this might be a good one for the Patriots. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one more game, and, and the reason I'm gonna do this is because a I think it's you know it's gonna be a close game, but and and but with the with the uh, uh, Jason Garrett being let go in New York, Philly is going to the Giants this week, and I was mm-hmm. just looking at Philly's schedule. 
Philly has the Giants, then the Jets, then Washington, then the Giants, then Washington, and they finish with Dallas. Look, they could win, theoretically, they have a chance to win their next five games and go to Dallas with a chance to win the division, the way things are going right now, if, Philly, they, if Philly can get it together. And they don't have to get on a plane? No. They don't have to get on yeah, a plane? They're at the Giants and at the Jets, so they've got to go to the Meadowlands twice, and then they can drive to Washington. and then they're, or, No, actually, they're home with Washington and home with the Giants. You're right. Yeah, they, they don't have to get on a plane. They could take the train down, I you mean, know, take a breather. I'd love to take, that, the train. I may take the train with them. For that, may be, that may be the easiest schedule in the NFL down the stretch. They do have a really easy schedule. And the great thing about Philly, Philly's run game, as much as we as much as we criticize them for running the quote unquote Oklahoma offense, right? You know, their run game has really come alive. Right, really come alive. So they're a hard team to play because they run an offense that no one else runs. So yeah, yeah. it's it it's it, I'm telling you, the Cowboys keep losing. Watch out, the Eagles might have a chance at winning the division. Oh, hey, and before I let you go, congratulations! I see Liberty University has uh, extended their head football coach's contract. Yes. Uh, that's a, uh, you guys, I tell you what, uh, I don't know whether it's you or not, but since you've come there, Liberty is all of a sudden a, uh, a, a national darling in college football. I think so. Hugh Freeze getting $4 million. Look, they got, they, that's a, there's I tell you what, there's, by the way, that's a lot of money. I was going to say manna from heaven. That's yeah. what I'll put it that way with Liberty <laughs> university. So that's, that's, it just, it just falls out of the sky with the, that school. So it's, it's really awesome. I'm, I'm happy for coach freeze and, and, and that he gets, uh, a long, longer time to be down in Lynchburg. It's a good, good, good coach, and they're getting some good recruits coming up too. Once uh, Malik Willis leaves for the NFL, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching them the next couple of years. Well, Dan, uh, listen, go back and take a nap because you probably need one. And uh, thanks for spending <laughs> some time with us live this morning. It's nice to have you on live for once. I know, right? It's, 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 you know, even if I have to wake up out of my food coma, Gene, you're the only person I do it. Our final show here in Middletown, Connecticut. Next week, we will be joining you from our new studio down in North Carolina. And uh, we'll look forward to you talking to you next week, Dan. Awesome, Gene. God bless. Have a great weekend. All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Uh, we will be off until next Friday. Um, I'm going to complete the move here this week, so we will be back next Friday uh, with Dan, and then once we're established down there, we'll get back to our regular five-day-a-week schedule, but uh, we will be back next Friday. Uh, we leave you this morning with some music from Alabama, something I'm looking forward to, folks, our first Christmas song of the season, but this one is going to be my Christmas. It's Christmas and Dixie from Alabama. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.